Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we've been going through the Bible. We started in a gospel, well, really, you know, started before that, First John, and, and then we found our way into Mark. We Mark, then we did Acts, then we did Romans, and now we're in First Corinthians. So, um, and, and the series is titled uh, Run to Win. Jed made an awesome graphic for us. It's, it's there somewhere. Yeah. Does that make you want to run or what? This is a New Year's resolution. Run to win. There's your heart rate, you know, going right there. Um, or not a brainwave, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. It's something. Um, so, uh, yeah, the idea I was thinking about the book of 1 Corinthians, is, it is all over the place. We get such an in-depth look at church drama. Um, and, and we, you know, we get to think like, oh, wow, you know, back then everything was great. Well, first Corinthians kind of just kills that whole notion. Uh, it was a mess. And, and I think the reason it, we see it such a mess is because we see the most about it. It's the more, you know, kind of like the gnarlier it is right with people. You're like, oh, I did not know that about you. And they'd say the same about you. Um, but this, this church, the church of Corinth, there's two letters written to him. This is the, obviously the first written by Paul um, from Ephesus. He's speaking uh, to a church he spent some time with, a year and a half he spent with them. He established this church. He knew them well. Uh, and so, yeah, just looking forward to kind of diving in. And there's a lot of different things you could do. And I read a bunch of different series titles, and it's like, the bad church or like the carnal church or the this or the that. And believe me, that is all in there. Um, it's also God did some amazing things in and through these people. And it was his church. Uh, and so there, it was not like a, oh, well, you kind of could call them a church. No, they were a church, but they did have issues. But really what Paul's trying to get them on track with is let just don't worry about all the things that mess you up and inst- just Focus on Jesus and run to win. The idea of running to win is to cut off the things that hold you back. In athletic terms, in Corinth, they were very familiar with athletics. Um, they had their own game, second only to the Olympics. Um, and it was, they were into that. And so Paul, when he speaks in chapter 9, talking about running to win, he, that was something they would understand. You know, That's something that they would get. It's something that would, would resonate well with them. But to run, to win, you've got to discipline yourself. You've got to put off all the stuff that's holding you back. And so that's kind of the theme when I was kind of thinking it through was like the goal for, for the church of Corinth, the goal for us is not to just be like, oh, well, here's a problem. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. The problems are there. Focus on Jesus. Run to win. And all that stuff kind of you see it for what it is and kind of start shedding it as you go, right? The bad habits, the, the sin, the, the divisions, all of that is going to be present. But that's kind of want to be our overarching theme, running to win. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for uh, such a clear depiction of a church and in and, and such honesty, God. We just thank you for that, Lord. And um, it gives us hope and it gives us uh a clear view of the way it really is, you know, not trying to make things better than they were, but understanding um, we're all works in progress and you use broken vessels and you use, um, you use us. You chose to use mankind, which is so flawed and so weak and frail and fragile. And 
but you choose to do that, that that excellence and that gospel message would be so beautifully proclaimed and be so evident that it's you that empowers us. And so, God, we pray that we would have that heart as we uh, seek to to grow and we seek to um, become more effective in following you and leaving behind the stuff that's just tripping us up, that's holding us back, that's weighting us down. So God, help us to take uh, um, the scriptures here, these lessons, and, and apply them well to our own lives. We pray that you speak to us by your word, power us the Holy Spirit. We can hear from you, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we actually get a little bit of insight. You guys remember if we were in, we were in the book of Acts, you know, two books ago. Uh, as to this whole church, how it got started. Paul had been in Athens. He was reasoning with the Athenian people. They were brilliant, and he was just working every angle to try and get them to understand where he was coming from. From there, he went to Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, you can turn there if you would like. Acts chapter 18, we're going to read um, some verses in there to kind of give a little bit of a, uh, I guess, base for for this church and, and how they got started, a little bit of a history. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he uh, shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, uh, hearing, believed, and were baptized. So Paul is, goes into Corinth, does what he normally does, which is reaching out to, through the synagogue. That was his natural lead-in. He thought, you guys got all the history. Let me tell you about the fulfillment of prophecy, that is, Jesus. The Messiah has come. And he found not much fruit there, and he ends up going, I'm going to the Gentiles. Uh, we're going to find out in a minute that the Corinth, the people of Corinth, were gnarly carnal, like making they like make us blush a little bit. Okay, and yes, yes, in 2019 in the United States, it, I mean it's it's crazy how carnal they were. And so the idea, I think, even for Paul is, oh, good, there's a remnant of Jews. Let's go out and let's reach out to them. But God directed them to go a different direction. In the meantime, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord. So he comes to the Lord, this guy Crispus, and we're going to see this other guy, Sosthenes, ends up taking his place because, you know, you can't have that. You can't have a believing leader of the temple, right? That would be way too much fulfillment of uh, of the synagogue. That would be too much fulfillment of Scripture, right? Couldn't have that. So... um, so anyway, so Paul goes and he's like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there. Uh, and there was, yeah, justice and then Crispus. And then verse nine. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. And he continued there 
a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Remember, we're going to find out this is a very carnal place. I think whenever you hear, do not be afraid, it's for a good reason, right? Like there's a real reason behind that. If God is telling you, do not be afraid, or an angel is telling you, do not be afraid, you don't just say that like to someone like, oh, hi, good to see you. Do not be afraid. And they're like, oh, wait, why? Like, I wasn't afraid, and now I am afraid because of what you just said. Why? But on the other hand, if someone is afraid, those words bring great comfort, right? You know, Paul is probably thinking, this is a whole new territory. I'm a bold guy, but I'm kind of going into the mouth of the dragon here, and I'm going to try and take out this. I don't know what I'm doing here. But look at what the Lord tells him. He's like, I have many people in this city. So he was there a year and six months, and he taught the word of God among them. And when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Of course, the Jews rile up a crowd, get, it, get them all you know, going. And of course, it wasn't true. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, uh, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But it is a question of words and names and your own law. Look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the new ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So... They decided to bring him to Rome, the Roman rulers and leadership, and the Roman rulers did not like the Jews. And so they're like, oh, hey, this guy, Paul's causing a problem. And he's like, I don't care about your problem. Your problem doesn't mean anything to me. Because this is just like you guys disputing little facts among, don't, if he did something wrong, bring it to me. I don't care otherwise. And, but he was annoyed with it. So he let the Greeks beat up Sosthenes, right? And he turned a blind eye to it. That's basically what he said. He's like, oh, I didn't see anything that just happened right now. Fast forward, if you will, <laughs> to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Where have we seen this name before? This was the ruler of the synagogue, is now with Paul. Maybe, maybe Crispus had something to do with this. Who knows? Maybe he was like, oh, you know what? I got beat and I'm not into this. Like, what is this all about? And he starts digging in deeper. Now we know he's with Paul and he penned this, this letter, this epistle. So that's kind of cool, right? A little bit of correspondence there. I, there's so many like um, little things you see in scripture where you're like, there's a person and there they are over there. What is their story? And you're like, wish you could know how they got from here to there. But we have Sosthenes, and he says, our brother. He's not just like, yeah, he's just really good at writing, so we brought him in. No, he's our brother. So Paul, actually starting off here, says, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. One of the major things we're going to see in Corinth is they had a major authority issue. They, had, they acted, it's so, to me, I 
see the spirit of Corinth. I've seen it before. They are so gifted. We're going to see that too. They were a gifted group. They worked in spiritual gifts. They were lacking nothing even in that sense. They, they ministered well. They loved Jesus. They were looking forward to his coming. They did not like authority. It's between me and God, not nobody else. We don't need any fathers. We don't need anybody getting in the way of everything. And, and so when Paul left it, there was a void in leadership and they kind of started having all these issues and it got back to Paul. That's why he's writing the letter. But he says right away, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. I'm, I'm an apostle. In case you were wondering. And we know Paul wasn't like arrogant like that. He wasn't trying to call himself. He just said, by the will of God, I am fulfilling what I'm supposed to be doing. Did you have Jesus show up to you and make you blind and then tell you like you're going to fall. No, I was that. And, and I am dead serious about that calling. And so he's establishing himself right away. Guys, you got to know I am. A, and the idea of apostle is like a special messenger basically from God. And Paul was that. There's never been a man like Paul since really. I mean, we haven't seen anybody really like Paul. He's an, an, a unique guy. He's a man, but he was a man that was, had a very special calling on his life with a very per, like just a perfect temperament and a perfect like personality to, to carry that out. We've said before, probably a total pain to hang out with sometimes. He's just like the intense guy, you know, like you're like, I don't want to play Monopoly with you, Paul, you know, like it just never goes well, you know, you know let's talk about scripture. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> I don't want to play games with you, though, man. You're too intense, you know? He's like, yeah, you're playing basketball, and he's always hard fouling you, you know? Like, every time you go up, smack, you know? You can't do that, man. If you want to play, play. If not, then don't, you know? I'm here to play, for real. Anyway, I don't know. He, might, he probably didn't play basketball. He talks about sports a lot, though, right? Basketball didn't exist. Definitely didn't play that. Anyway, so he says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, um, if you needed any clear, this is the church of God. This was a legitimate church of God and there was legitimate things happening, but they weren't the only church. At Corinth, right? The church of God, Corinth edition. Okay, there you go. What was really Corinth about? I did some research and um, it was gnarly. Uh, it was one of the great cities of the ancient world. We know that it was prosperous. It was busy. There was just tons of learning, a lot of intellect, and they, but they were known for their pursuit of pleasure, known for it, like gnarly known for it. Like it's like a Vegas kind of thing, right? It's like what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. That was, that actually was their slogan. No, they did have some slogans. It was like live like a Corinthian was like the worst kind of person you could be, right? It's like just, they just are vile passions. That's all they care about. We know uh, uh, that it, they were famous for their Corinthian brass, which was a mixture of gold, silver, and copper, and everybody all over the world wanted it. it was, they were super industrious and, and uh, really good forward-thinking in so many ways, especially in ways of business, like you said, intellect. They had the, the, uh, the Isthmian Games, which the Isthmus was like this area that was like the neck of Corinth. You actually see a map here. We have a map. You could kind of see there's a Corinth right there. It's Corinthe there in that one, right? And you see how it gets real thin. 
That's like the neck of it. And it, they came up with a way even to get across that four miles or whatever of land so that they could get ships through it instead of having to go around these gnarly peninsulas that were, would get you shipwrecked. And they had a thing called the Diaclos. If Chris could go to the next one. And it was like this track where they would literally take the ships from one side to the other. And it was like four miles. Uh, some indications say for the big ships, it could take as many as 150 plus men to move the ships on these tracks. But they would make tracks and they'd roll them all the way along to the other side because it would cut off a bunch of hours, I mean, a bunch of you know, days off their trip and the most treacherous seas that you could imagine. Well, in the meantime, you had sailors that would hang out because it would take a while to get across that four-mile plot, but they'd hang out there. And we also know Corinth uh, had um, a, uh, a lot of uh, god worship, different gods that they would worship, and um, one of them was Aphrodite. Uh, and she, the way that they had worshipped their priestesses were there was like over a thousand prostitutes that were priestesses that that's how you would worship uh, the god Aphrodite. So you can imagine like if that's part of that culture, not so good, right? And that had become like who they were. The, the, every time it, someone would play a Corinthian in a play, they were hammered drunk the whole time. This was Corinth, right? So you, you could kind of see like Paul was like, Okay, so I'm reaching out to them, you know. They knew everything. They also knew nothing. Uh, uh, Fee comments on his uh, commentary in Corinth. He said that the people of Corinth were intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. That's what they were known for. That's who they were. And so it's really unique when Paul's reassured, I have many people in that city. There's people there. My people are in there. I always think that whenever people are like, oh, this place is getting too gnarly. Let's get out of here. You're like, oh, why are you leaving? <laughs> what are you going to do? You just leave them all there? Like, why are we? We're part of the solution. And God had these people set there for a good reason. <clears throat> we know that there would be a lot of fruit that would come out of this church. Um, and we'll see that as we go on. But just kind of some background. I want to give some background of this, the region, the area. Pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, there you go. So, to the, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all, uh, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and ours. The idea, obviously, is sanctified is being set apart, being separated from the world. And it's th- to be done together. Right? With everyone, that's all, we're all part of this together. So Paul's going to say there's a calling to be set apart from the world because we're going to see that, that the world was very much still involved in, in the church in Corinth. And when the world is involved in the church, you think, oh, wow, they're really reaching the world where they're at and blah, blah, blah. But really, it's, it's stifling the work of God. And it's done in spite of, not because of their, you know, wow, we're really keeping an ear to the ground. And, you know, we just were trying to stay up with the times and whatnot, you know. But it's to be set apart and then to be done together because division was rampant up among this because they didn't respect each other. And that's a whole authority issue, right? You, you're not going to be put under anyone. So 
there's who, you know, why do I value you over me? I, I, my biggest thing is that I am autonomous. I can make my own decisions. This is important to me. And so therefore, I can't let you get in the way of that. That's something we struggle with, right? Independence, it's all about me. Well, to live in community takes give and take. It takes dealing with people that sometimes offend you for reasons they didn't even know were offensive, you know? It means growing and learning, being with each other. It takes a lot of grace to be able to live together and to grow together and to uh, live united as a body of Christ. But he says this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is common. This is a common scripture, but I, th- I think it's important to hear. This is what Paul gives him, grace to you. Man, do we need grace and peace from God? If there's two things you need in your life, it is grace and it is peace. Everything else kind of goes by the wayside if you have grace and peace present in your life. So I think it's important to note what Paul gives to them. It also kind of goes to the, the Greek brain and the, and the Jewish brain. <laughs> grace and peace between the two. Verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you uh, come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I thank God for you. Remember, it had gotten back to Paul that they were bad-mouthing him behind his back. And, And Paul's, I don't think he's just saying this. He's not just buttering them up. He really did love them. He's like, I love you guys. I'm so thankful for you. The grace that I saw you know, on display in Corinth blew my mind, and I'm so thankful for all of you. And here's some things I'm thankful for in your life, that you were enriched in everything by him. Like you guys are growing and you know him in utterance and knowledge. Like, man, it's so cool to see what God has done in your guys' life as a testimony of Christ and was confirmed in you. I've seen the evidence of Jesus' work in your life. I've seen it. It's come. It's so beautiful to see you guys grow so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And seeing that you guys are, are being established and in a lot of ways matured and growing and all these gifts coming out of your life and you're waiting for the revelation, you're desperate for Jesus. I love that about you guys who will also confirm you to the end. Remember, it's going to be Jesus that's going to do it, you guys. He's going to be the one that's going to, going to He's ultimately our justifier. He will be the one that will glorify us in the end. That will be be blameless on the day of their Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, I want you to to rest in that, to be encouraged in that. I, I don't think Paul's buttering them up, but I also think he like is trying to get some common ground with them. Like, guys, I I love you. I see good things happening in your life. And I know that God wants to continue to do those things in you. So these things, the next part that where I'm coming at you from a different angle and where I'm going to say things you don't want to hear, understand my heart in this. It's out of love and it's out of hoping to see you continue to grow. So that the stuff that already is happening will be even more magnified and even more manifested in your life. That's what I want you to see. You guys got to understand that. There's a lot of people who think they have, they have the gift of calling people out. And that's just, you know, 
Maybe they do. But you got to ask yourself the question, because Paul definitely did have that, right? Paul was the guy that would, because you have some people who will be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And you're sitting there going, that's not awesome. That's not good at all. Like, don't tell them that's awesome. We have like, that's like a thing right now where people just like, oh, yeah, just support them no matter what. And you're like, oh, no, I can't support you doing that. That doesn't make sense. You guys, guess what? I found out we don't need oxygen. I thought we did. We don't need it, you know? Just watch. You go in this room and you breathe. You could still breathe. You're like, until you run out of oxygen and then you can't and you're dead. Let's not do that, right? You know? Oh, a new air freshener. Let's start our car up in the garage. It smells so good. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's so cool. Do you, you know? Like, but you got to make sure the doors are closed, you know? It doesn't, you don't get the full effect. It also helps me go to sleep at night. You're like, no, that's not good. We can't do that. I can't rightfully sit here and go, that's a good idea. I like love you, so I can't do that. But there's, you know, so you have one side where it's like, yeah, everything's good always. Yeah, sure. And that's not really love, right? That's just acceptance for acceptance sake. And then the other side that says, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're like, well, what's the solution? Well, I don't know. Just stop being so terrible, you know, be like me. He's terrible in other ways. But don't tell me I'm terrible. That would be a bad idea. I just tell people, you don't have the gift. I have the gift. No, 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 no. If you don't have the heart of Paul here that's, that can sit there and say, here is, oh my gosh, I love you so much, you guys. I don't, 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 please, just don't do this. This is, this is not where we want to go. We want to run to win. Think about that. That's a big deal with parents, right? Because you're raising your children. You're looking at them and you're going, Oh, yeah, I can't let that go. Like, because I love you, I can't let that go. We got to fix that. Let's work through this. And so as a parent, the whole like, and you remember this not from being a parent, but from when you had, your parents were doing this to you and you go, because I said so, that doesn't go well, right? You go, because I said so, that's a terrible reason. And then all of a sudden, your kids say something to you and you say, because I said so. And you're like, oh, actually, it is a good reason now that I see it. I know why. You don't know why. No, but it's like, because I love you so much, I can't let you try this. This is not a good idea. This is not some, a road that I want to see you go down. This is not a road you even want to go down. So that Paul comes at him from that angle. Like, there are so many good things in, your guy, in you guys right now. And actually, it's, it's funny. Everyone kind of likes to throw all these daggers at, at the church of Corinth. But it, you're like, are the good things even happening in your church? <laughs> are the good things evident in your life, personally? If those aren't even happening, what, are, what do you even have? Like, well, we don't have some of those bad things. You, okay, that's good. You probably have some other bad things, though, don't you? And where's the, is God doing anything in your life? Or are you just kind of morally a little bit more superior? You know, so it's important to think about. Now he gets to the issues, right? Starting off, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So, so he's saying like, guys, I, I, let me just be clear that you would be in, of the same mind, of the same heart. Here, here's the thing. Will we ever be able to come to a place of the same mind aside from Christ? Not really, right? Because, you know, 
I think that looks purple. I think it looks green. I, I don't know. You know, like, you ever think about, like, do people see colors differently? I, I, yeah, you, anyway, whatever. Just, just don't go down that road. But then you start running into, like, well, the colors come together, but maybe they see that differently. To, to, okay, whatever. But you come to that place where you, we need the mind of Jesus to do this because division is natural to man, Right? We, we just, it's the first thing we run to is like, I have a problem. It must be you off with your head. You know, just leave me alone. Get away from me and all my problems will be solved. I was, I was listening to a message on, on this and it was a, uh, there was an uh, illustration from Dave Guzik and he was talking about this old Quaker who had issues everywhere he went. He just had the biggest issue. Every church had problems. You know, everywhere he went, problems. This church has problems. These people have problems. They're different than this way, and they're wrong in this way, and their doctrine's messed up in this way. And everywhere he went, and he, one day he came to the conclusion that he had actually found a good church. And somebody said, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, what's unique about it? You know, like, how many people go there? And he says, two, me and my wife, and I'm not so sure about her, <laughs> you know, so... This is the mind of, a, of the divisive person is you, they'll never be good enough. Come to this con- conclusion. In this room are a lot of d- different people with a lot of different ideas. And guess what? We're all wrong about something. So just feel good about that, okay? We're all wrong about something. So now you say, I'm wrong about something. Because you're like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people are wrong in here about something. And now you point at yourself, I'm wrong about something, right? said it before, when you find out you're saying a word wrong, you've said it your whole life like that. And people won't let it go, right? That's like the thing, right? We've talked about this before. Like I say, Beethoven, it's Beethoven. Who cares? What does it matter? It's weird. Beethoven. I just, that's my, and then I heard my mom say it. That's where I got it from. Or milk. It's milk, whatever. It sounds weird. They both sound weird, you know? Don't judge me. You say stuff wrong too, you know? That's, but, but you kind of come to that place where you go like, yeah, you know what? I do say those words wrong. And the first thing you want to do is defend yourself. No, that's actually right. And you're going, that's not right. How do I defend something that's indefendable? Well, you just hold on, you know, and just keep on going, you know? Just drive it deeper and deeper into the sand, you know? Well, I guess what I could do, since I'm not right, is just make them wrong about everything else. And then that, that'll be healthy. Anyway, this is the way we are in and of ourselves. But to understand that in the church, in the body, there are different people from different places with different mindsets and with different stages of growing in Jesus. Now I ask you this question. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time where the things that you thought back then that you don't think now, oh, that's a whole nother level. Maybe if you've taught something, go back and look at your old notes. You'd be like, oh boy, you know. We start somewhere. We have grace for each other because someone had grace for you. Not to be divided, but to be of the same mind. The same mind is really having the same purpose too, right? The same mind is like, it's not about me being right and you being wrong. It's about seeking and following Jesus together, using what God's given us to reach out to the world, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's, that's what we're about. We can agree on that. And I can like put the other stuff kind of to the side. Not that big of a deal. 
I, I always love that we were, we were hanging out at the Buena Vista, and there's this little climb, mountain biking. There's just this little climb. And it's not a hard climb, but it's just rutted out, so it's kind of hard to get into the – got to get up and over, and it's kind of just a weird little climb. And it's somewhat steep. And, uh, and I kept on messing it up, and this guy walked by, right, Kellen? Did you, you heard him? And he said, just got to be in a lower gear, you know. And he's not climbing it. He's just walking with a dog or whatever. And I was like, I'd like to see you climb it in a lower, I'm in the lowest gear, you know, like it's, it's rutted, you know, <laughs> but it's like that mindset of like, oh, you just, just do this. And you're like, oh, well then do it. You here, that's all, that's what you should do. Your turn, you know, here, show me, you know, I'd love to see that. That happens a lot. People walking, tell people on a bike how to do something on a bike. You go, well, there's, there's no way of seeing if you can actually do it, is there right now? But that's, that's like us. Oh, you should do it like this. Do you do it like that? No. Because of, uh, like, other reasons, you know. But they won't let you have an excuse. We just need grace for each other and recognize what we're about. Following Jesus, growing together. Uh, And he says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, uh, those from, of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So someone from Chloe's house spilled the beans, you know, so someone's a snitch, you know, like, and so Paul's going to get them, you know, and so Chloe's probably in trouble for her house anyway. No, but she says there's, there's issues. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. This is what they are dividing over. Oh, really? Well, I'm of Paul. Paul wouldn't be down with that. Well, I'm of Apollos. Do you guys know that Paul and Apollos, even though their names are close, they weren't, they didn't have major beef with each other. They loved each other. They were speaking the same message, right? Or I'm of Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter, right? Oh, well, you know, I'm of Paul. He's the one that established this church. Hardcore dude. That's our guy. That's Paul. I'm of Apollos. He was a way more eloquent, way more gracious speaker than Paul. I like him a lot more. I'm of Cephas. Check it out. That's Peter for all you new jacks, you know. I'm a Peter. And Peter was actually hung out with Jesus. Ever heard of him? You know, he's one of his disciples. The one, the, the rock on which Christ would build the church. I'm with him. And then somebody full on one ups everyone. I'm of Christ. Yeah. As if no one else is, you know? Oh, really? I'm of Christ. You're like, man, that is just like the Jesus juke of all Jesus jukes, right? I'm of Christ. Like that. Oh, yeah. So Paul said, oh, okay, so Christ. Let's start there. Is Christ divided? Maybe you aren't so much of Christ like you thought you were. Was Paul crucified? And he says, this is like probably humorous to Paul. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh, I love that you like the message of Paul being crucified on the cross and then, you know, being baptized. And this is crazy. And then he says, I hate this talk. This, but this is so us, right? Like we latch on to something that's not that important. And by the way, there, there is a place for being able to uh, have a rapport with certain people and ministry styles. That's okay, right? Like if you like hearing a certain kind of a speaker, you're like, man, I just, 
I've heard this before. Some people will say, like, I just can't understand what they're saying. Like, I just don't get what they're saying. Like, it doesn't, the way they speak, it just doesn't work for me. On the other hand, the way they, and, and the, but the, a different person might be like, they, they speak to me in such a good way that I just get it. It makes sense. You go, okay, cool. There's, it's cool that there's, you know, differences and there's, there's a, you know, bit of variety in the body. That's great. But when you start saying, I'm of them because they're better than that, that's the problem, right? And we'll find that. That's the human issue. Great. Love the fact that you love being with Apollos and, and he's been a big influence in your life and whatever. That's great. But it is about Christ and it's not being divided. Then Paul says, I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. He's like, I know what you suckers would do. You would make a big deal about you being the one that got baptized by him. Fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who baptizes you. That's not in scripture. It's to make sure, you know, believe and be baptized by the most prominent member of, of your church, you know. Be baptized, whatever. Talked about, I had my friend's church that dumping gallons of water on your head in the middle of the street. You are baptized in the name of Jesus. There you go. That works, you know. And then some are baptized in, you know, the Jordan River, you know, <laughs> and it's like this amazing thing. You can put in a white cloak and the angels and the doves and it's all the same, right? And the, it's beautiful. Like, why not do that? But the effect is the same. He said, yes, I also uh, baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptize any other. Like, I, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Guys, I gave it to you straight. Interesting thing here is, I think when people try and use wisdom of words, what we can take from this text is when you try and be too wise with your words, it, you lose some of the effect of the gospel. Isn't that interesting? Like, you know, can you, t you can tell when someone's trying to manipulate you. And even the thing that they're saying might be true, but you're like, I don't like this anymore. I know you're manipulating me. I can tell. They can tell more than you think they can tell too, by the way. If, you're if you think you're being slick, you're not being slick. We are, we are all raised on sales and marketing, you know? Like everything's marketing. You're like, all, oh, so interesting that that has a uh, Pepsi logo in the middle of that movie. Wonder why that's there. That cast drinks Pepsi. Maybe I should too, you know, you know whatever. Do people drink Pepsi? I don't know. Okay. Um, but he's saying like, I, this, this is also uh, an allusion to Paul's not being the only one there. He says, I don't, it's not my job to baptize. That's not something I, I was sent here for a purpose. I'm part of the body of Christ and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is I know, and I know who I am and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And the whole thing is I'm supposed to preach the gospel. And when Paul preached the gospel, it went really well, right? Because he was made for it. You know, there was other people that were behind Paul that maybe they were the ones that ministering to the ongoing needs and they were doing the baptisms and so many different things going on. Oh man, so cool. But they were all part of that body. He's like, I'm not a one-stop shop. I'm part of all of this. And even the part that I have, I got to make sure that I don't take it myself too seriously or else I might miss out on that power. It is not by me. 
I'm nothing. Remember in uh, the beginning of Romans, I'm not ashamed. The gospel. It's the power of God, right? It's not, it's not of me. It's nothing I can do. Get your eyes off of yourself. You guys are all trying to take stakes and claims and you're gonna ruin the good work that God's doing in your life. Take your hands off of it. Enjoy being in it together. Recognize that a group of people are way better at ministering as a whole than one person. Everyone has blind spots. But when you take everyone together, those blind spots are so minimalized, you know? They're covered by each other. Because I could see that. You can't see that. I like to talk to people about stuff. I'm like, I didn't even see that angle. Never even thought about that. No clue. Had no idea. Just like if you ever see a plant up here that's dead, I can't see it. Okay? So have grace. I need someone else to make sure the plant's alive because I don't know. Okay? That's something I'll never see. But someone else will be like, oh, let's go change out that plant. There's a plant there? I never even knew it was there. Is that what I've been kicking? You know, I've been killing that plant, haven't I? You were supposed to water it. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. <laughs> how could you not see it? Well, how could you not see other things? We're all blind in one way or another. But we need each other. And this is the idea of, of being together, growing together, working together. You want to know the best way to win a race is to get a team. Isn't that crazy to think about? You think, um, no. To win a race, you have to be first. But the idea is to train with a team. Tell me, was, have you, maybe, maybe you don't, don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can like give a little silent nod or whatever. You've tried to do the Bible in a year before, but knowing that there's a bunch of people around doing it has given you wings to do it. Maybe, right? Yeah, I saw some, okay? I see those weird nods. <laughs> But that, that's because there's something about that, about being like, we're in it together. We're doing it together. We're growing together. This, this is fun. We're, gonna, we're all going to be better because of it. You train as a team, you all get better. You run with people who are faster than you, you will get faster. Whatever you, it is that you do, do it together as a team. You grow together and grow and become more and more able to do the things that you wanted to do. You're a lone ranger. You don't know what you're up to. You have no, no idea, no clue. Uh, Cannon had his uh, um, baseball assessments yesterday, and we've been practicing a whole bunch, you know, like just not the last month we kind of haven't, but we'll go out and we'll throw. And last year we couldn't get in because we just moved to Carlsbad and the league was full and the winter league was Sundays and just wasn't going to work. And so he's been just chomping to play. I mean, he loves baseball and he's just, just can't wait. And so there's like that, that hesitancy of like, where's he at? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How good are these kids? And some of them are like amazing. Like you could sign them a contract right now. They're ready to go. But it was so cool to see just kind of where he's at. And you go, okay, yeah, okay, he's in the mix. That's great. But you're thinking, now him being around all those kids that are, that are especially the ones that are really good, they're all going to get better. Everyone's going to grow. Everyone on that team is going to get better as the season goes on. Like as much as I work with him, after a while, he's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, you know, when the other kids are doing it, he will keep doing it. 
And he will, be, he will find that there's some unity in that teamwork and he's going to see things that they say and the coaches are going to tell him things that I don't tell him in a way that he'll get it or because dad didn't say it, it's better, you know? But him being on that team will make him a better player even though he can say, well, don't waste your time with that team. We'll just do it, just you and me. That's it. We, this is all we ever need. Well, are you ever going to be on a team or are you going to be the best baseball player that's never played in a game before? What's the point? Being on the team, and, and the best thing is, you see him, he's enjoying it. He's hanging out with these kids and, you know, oh, yeah, the kid Rooks took one off the face. Yeah, wow. And you're like, you know his name? Yeah, he's my friend now. Okay, cool. That's like us, right? We grow together. We're getting, getting, as we do, we will be blessed. But it's, it's all about unity and keeping our eyes on the main thing. Division will rear its ugly head. Satan loves division. And it is the most devastating thing to the church. Division just, it, and it burns people. It makes people turn off. makes them not want to love each other because they get, they get burned and they, there's division and there's hurt and there's pain. But let's not let that stop us from continuing to move forward. I'll tell you right now, the key is the blood of Jesus. The key is, is that forgiveness of sins, is growing in him, following him. He is our guide. He is our life. He's And Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we're going to do. Follow Christ. Grow together. And that's that's the goal, that we would be able to run to win. There's been like a thing for me of uh, 2019, I feel like over and over again, year of growth. (laughs) Year of growth. Everybody says that. Oh, yeah, this year of growth. This one's it. But for me, it's just like seriously like let's just just continue to grow. Let's just put away the stuff that we know is hurting us. Let's take off the, you know, wood clogs so we can run, put on some, sh- some good shoes, put on some athletic gear, you know, don't, not just jeans. Get rid of the stuff that's, that's holding you back. Get that chain wallet and throw it back in the 90s, you know. It's probably back now, right? Is the chain wallet back? It is? Okay, cool. I've got some, yeah. And just get rid of all that junk. So we can, we can grow together. We can run to win. That's the point. Take it seriously. Let's, let's do it. We're, we have a communion, first Sunday of the month communion, uh, an opportunity to taste of, of uh, and be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross, right? His body broken for us, represented in the bread, the gluten-free bread, okay? Um, I thought this was important. But the, his body broken and pierced for us, for our sins, when we, we eat of it, we can recognize the great price that he paid and the blood that covers us, the blood that just completely covers us and, and the blood that was shed on that cross uh, in Calvary some over 2,000 years ago. So we're going to take some time uh, this morning and we'll... we'll uh, We'll have an extra song. I would encourage you to come up and grab it. If you're a believer, grab the uh, bread and a cup and, and go back to maybe your seat and, and just kind of lay some things out before the Lord. Maybe some stuff that you know has been holding you back or maybe some, even some divisions or something that, that's been holding you back from running, like, like you're training, like running to win. And, uh, and lay it all at the foot of the cross because that, that, it, it was all taken care of on the cross. All of it, all the sins, everything, past, present, future, lay it all down and, and move forward today, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for...